Future Hacker. Life. Path. Future. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Future Hacker. I'm your host, Maria Taigi, and our guest today is a philosopher, pedagogue, and accomplished author with 11 published titles on the topic of bullying, cyberbullying, and human rights. We are talking to Benjamin Horta. He's a specialist in bullying prevention, having received training from the renowned Owens Bullying Prevention Program at Clemson University in South Carolina, USA. Additionally, he holds ex expertise in restorative practices from the International Institute for Restorative Practices and Philosophy and Human Rights from PUC Paraná. For the past decade, he has specially dedicated himself to the cause of bullying prevention, firmly believing that it has the power to transform schools into safe, welcoming, and inclusive environments. His remarkable work was recognized by the United Nations in 2019, earning him an award in connection with the Sustainable Development Goals 4 and 16. Hi, Benjamin. It's amazing to have you with us today. How are you doing? Hello, Maria. It's amazing to be here as well. Thanks for inviting me. And yeah, I think it's going to be a great time to talk about bullying prevention and many other subjects that we know are related to education. Super, super important topics and also a, a great timing to be talking about that here in Brazil as well, right, Benjamin? But, you know, let's start by the beginning. So could you please share with us your journey and what events in your life led you to pursue this particular path? Well, um, that is an interesting question. We, I have two main events that happened in my life and that really connected me to the, the, the bullying behavior not it's, it's not bullying prevention but before bullying behavior and then i came to you know understand a little bit more about the bullying prevention but the first event was when i was a teenager and i was bullied myself so um so i went through bullying during for for two years uh in this specific school that i was studying and um but back then Uh, I'm not going to say how long, so, <laughs> but back then, um, bullying was not a hot, top, hot topic in Brazil. So um, I didn't really feel uh, helped or, or, you know, nobody really did, did anything to help me. And I mean, the teachers and nobody there could do something because they, could, they thought the, it was actually part of their culture. So, and then many years later, I became a teacher and then I went to England and then I, I worked there for four years, doing four years. And then I was working with teenagers there, children and teenagers. And then they came to me talking about bullying and the bullying that they're facing. So I thought, oh, well, I have faced the same problem. So maybe we could connect and we could talk about it and we could try to find um, solutions that could that can help you guys and can help more people. But the more I spoke to them, the more I realized how serious it is and how it could damage their mental health and their, their body health. So uh, I decided to uh, really dedicate myself to this, to this cause which is bullying prevention, so. That's so interesting, um, you know, how the path of our lives, right? Uh, I was myself also uh, 
let's say I wouldn't use the the word victim because you know it seems that it's uh, it's not as tough as what some children goes through today. But I did go through also uh, being bullied at school, and I was lucky to have a brother and my older brother, you know, with a one meter and ninety, so really, really, really tall, really big, and you know, so he he could reinforce a message to protect myself. So it, it was I, I was lucky enough oh, for yeah. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that that is a good way to to stop bullying. Have a brother right. like which is one night, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, but still, uh, I think that uh, an interesting way to begin our conversation, and and you're kind of drawing this scenario because you know, as you mentioned, when you were younger, we didn't really have this concept, and you know, people thought that you know it was part of growing up and part of the culture, and this has changed over time. So let's cover that. How how has this concept of bullying evolved you know it's a new word let's say you know if, 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 if we think about how uh, it was when we were children and with our parents and grandparents how has it evolved over the past decades and what societal and cultural changes have contributed to this evolution and linking to that how has the approach to parenting changed as well moving towards a more human-centered approach as we are seeing today we have a new concepts of of, of parenting and, and people choosing different paths uh, when compared to the way that we saw before of being a more this authoritarian approach to, to being a parent. And what do you think are the reasons for this increased importance that we're playing today over bullying today, right? Yes. Um, the first thing is that bullying is a new word for an old behavior. So if you check books, there are um, the Madame Bovary, for example, there's a bullying situation, it's a really, really old book, and there's a bullying situation there. Uh, if, you, if you read the, the Bible, there's, there's a bullying situation there. So um, it's an, it, bullying is an old behavior. But um, around the 70s, um, a psychologist called Dr. Dan Oveos, he was the one that really dedicated himself to discovering, to study this behavior. And it happened due to the, to the high levels of suicide that was happening in his country. Yeah. So in, he's from Norway. So in Norway, um, there, there were many uh, teenagers, especially, uh, taking their own lives. And then he felt challenged to find out about it. And he focused on the main uh, space where they spend most of the time, which is the school. So then he, he realized and he, he found this, uh, he came to this conclusion that there's this specific behavior that happens at school. And he named it, firstly, he named it mobbing, which comes from kind of a mob kind of a gang uh -huh. so before it was mobbing and then he he changed it into bullying which was more um i think it was more um relevant a, a word that could fit more better into the schools so um so the word actually this word has been around the english language since around eight, uh, 1800s but yeah since uh, the, the bully, uh, which means someone, yeah, that is 
the mean is the tough guy and is mean is mean the mean guy and that's cool or something like that. It's been around uh, for quite a long time in the English language, but then Dr. Daniel Vales took this word and brought it to, into psychology, into the academic word as a behavior specific behavior, and since then. Um, Many, you know, his work or the work of his team spread around Scandinavia and North America, United Kingdom and other countries in Europe. And then people start realizing that this, this behavior, you know, is not something that is part of, it's not natural. It's not something that is just part of their student life. That's, that, that is a form of violence that happens at school and needs to be stopped. And um, so the, it evolved from this first early uh, researches into some methods for prevention and some, um, some prevention programs and things like that, which is what I do now. But um, I think that um, people still uh, get confused when they talk about bullying. I think especially in Brazil, um, because um, bullying is not, it's quite a complex uh, behavior. Um, and it, people, people sometimes think it in a kind of a simple, simplistic way, you know, like, oh, it's just, um, but um, there are many factors that can, um, that you can, that help you to understand what actually bullying is. Bullying is not just someone fighting someone. You know, there's a lot of things that goes around this bullying behavior and a lot of factors and characteristics that you need to, uh, to learn to then really understand the, the real concept of this, of this behavior. So, um, what do you, why do you think that we had, you know, over time this change in, in our own postures regarding bullying, right? So we, as much as we still have people saying, oh, he's just a bully, it's now on the focus, right? It's on, it's on the media. People are taking it more ser seriously. Uh, schools are being more, uh, they're being held more accountable for that. And... Nowadays, you know, parents don't know how to behave. Somehow it got into the spotlight. So what before was considered something normal and that we have to live through that. Now it's not that much. And do you see any changes on behavior, on societal behavior? Or do you think that is, this is the way that we are evolving as parents ourselves um, and listening more to the children and giving children more voice? What's your thought about that? So yeah, so there's a quote from Freud that says that everything that um, works towards culture, it works also against war. So, so yeah, so we are a society that is constantly in, you know, constantly in evolution. And we, you know, there are many things, not just about bullying behavior, but there are many things and many rights that in the, the past decades have been, you know, um, people have been fighting for it. People realize that they, they have their rights. And if you think about the human rights declaration, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, it came right after uh, the, the end of the Second World War. 
So there are fa- there are events that people, you know, as we as a society um, learn about it, and as we start realizing that there's something that causes damage on that kind of behavior, we also need to react to that and also need to respond to that in a in a positive way to stop this kind of behavior. So, you know, so there are many, many examples that could illustrate uh, what I'm saying. So, uh, and bullying is one of these situations, you know. It was something that was accepted before, that um, people used to think to think that is a rite of passage. You know, people would be lo- like, yeah, it's part, oh, it's part of life. It's just, oh, I'm stronger because I've been bullied. This is not really true. And... Um, So I think that it is related to the evolution of our society um, in, in general and to realize and to look for new ways to improve our own lives and to improve the most sacred place uh, in education, which is the schools. Yeah, so I, that, that's how I understand, uh, how I understand this, this uh, timeline for, you know, bullying prevention. Makes sense. And you also mentioned that people uh, still get confused about uh, the definition of bullying. So uh, I think that is important before we move on uh, in our conversation. So how, how, how do you define it? Well, um, bullying is, is different from fighting. It's different from an argument. It's different from rough play. Sometimes you see students, you know, doing rough play or things like that. Bullying is very is different from all of this kind of behaviors. Uh, bullying is happens with when someone is repeatedly or constantly um, exposed to negative behavior from one or more students, different students, and this person, this student that is being bullied, uh, he or her uh, is fine difficulty to react and to defend himself or herself. So there are three points here for us to understand bullying in a very, in a more uh, wide um, perspective, which is the first one, bullying is repetitive. It's not something that is happens once and then stops. So the person who is bullying the other, the other student, he's insisting in pursuing in that person to offend him, to expose that, that person to the second point, which is negative actions, which I mean, is not, they're not just playing around they're not just um having fun together uh there's an intention from the bully to cause harm to the person who is being bullied and the third point is the imbalance of power the person who's been bullied is finding hard to defend himself or herself because maybe they are uh, strong not strong enough physically or not strong enough socially or not strong enough psychologically so um This is, this is the point. And the main point talking about this, when you talk about um, the imbalance of power, we need to realize that bullying is, a, is, an, is an act of injustice because someone is taking the power he or she has and is using it against someone that is, that is not as strong as enough. So, yeah, so that's why 
my main point when we work with schools is uh, okay in the long term we're going to do many and many actions we have many components in our in our program as um, as you heard at the school that we are working with Sao Paulo but the main point in the first step is to make sure that this person is uh, um, find himself or herself safe or feel safe and secure inside the school because that's the place where they spend most of the time so imagine you're staying there for like six hours seven hours and you're being you know mistreated and you'll be humiliated and you'll be persecuted and you'll be offended imagine that is a torture that's kind of a torture you know yeah it's a torture it affects it's a, it affects the your even your learning capacity your social capacity it has so many impacts right and uh, as Benjamin mentioned I, I so the way that I, I, I got to meet him I was lucky enough is that uh, he did this workshop at my daughter's school and I was really impressed uh, by the content and uh, for me I, I had I, I, I learned that I had a lot of misconceptions about bullying and I was like I, ha I have to interview him right and then I just ran to him after he, he finished And uh, one of the things that I was impressed about is by your holistic approach to the issue of bullying, which encompasses not only the victim and the aggressor, which is what we usually focus on, right? Uh, but also the wider social and environmental factors at play. So could you elaborate on this approach and how it helps to address the issue more effectively? Yeah, well, that's that's a great question because the more we study about bullying, the more we understand how how wide um, and 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 how uh, different sectors of even not just society school, but like many other sectors from our society um, have an influence over over bullying behavior. So, um, and that's one of the points that we, we spoke about and I would like to, to address it today as well, um, answering your question. We have a very, um, sometimes we have a very limited uh, impression of bullying behavior. Actually, we have a very limited impression idea of violence in general. So the violence for us is that kind of violence generally that you know we see on the news that stands out that involves physical or verbal violence. But really, when you're talking about bullying, uh, the main problem, one of the main problems of bullying is how it can be subtle. You know how it can be, it can happen under the surface, and and sometimes you know people don't real even realize that that's happening. So that's one aspect of it. Um, the other aspect of it is to not limit uh, um, this this way of seeing bullying um, that is focused only on the bully and the bullied uh, student. Uh, is limited because if you think about it, imagine that there's a bullying situation happening inside of a classroom, right? There's there are students there, and you know they are like 25 students there, and there are four students. There is bullying on uh, one student. Everyone that is inside the classroom knows, and they have maybe a direct influence or. Undirected different uh, influence, 
but still the, we need to understand that the, the group involved in the bullying situations is much bigger than what you think. So Dr. Denovelius, um, on his researches, he concluded that uh, we have eight, eight different groups, right? So um, those groups come from letter A until better age, for example. So the first group um, is a group of the bullies, right? The students who bully the other student and they, but the, the point here is this pure bully, as you say, this pure bully is the one that start the bullying and take an active part on it. Okay. So he or she, he is, is the person who begins the bullying. Once the bullying begins, then we go to the followers. So um, the followers are the ones that really support the, the bully. So it's, it's a little bit like, it's a really a, uh, a group that is working together, you know, and the, the bully actually needs the followers to support him and to, you know, and to empower him. So after the followers who have the supporters and these supporters, they are the ones that they don't get, don't take a, don't take a step. They don't participate directly, but they support the bullying and they make sure that the people know that they support it. For example, they, um, they laugh. If something's happening, they take their phone out and they film it. So they are the audience, you know, they, they are the ones that, that they are really like uh, empowering as well the bully. Then we have the letter D, which is the, the D group is the group that they, they support the bullying. They like the bullying, they, they, but they do not display um, an open support. Okay. So they like it, but they do not display an open support. They hide it. But the, some way, in somehow... It's what they, you call the passive supporters, right? The passive so, supporters. Yeah, yes. they're not showing it, but somehow they, they support that. Like perfect. they're not... Okay, got it. Yes, perfect, yeah. Then we have the ones that are the disengaged onlookers. So these are the ones that they don't... They watch what happens, but they don't take a stand. They don't show, they don't approve, but they neither um, defend this proof. Yes. So, uh, which, which I think um, this, this group, they might be a group that is actually vulnerable as well to the bullying. Maybe they are like, oh, I, I don't get involved because I can get, I, maybe I, I'll be bullied here as well. So yeah, gonna... they're they are afraid if they're involved, they might get to be a victim as well, right? That's, yeah, that's right, yeah. Okay. So we got the possible event defenders. Uh, so these are very interesting group because they dislike the bullying they think they should help but they but they don't help so they have a more um their moral is more is better established and they um and they know that that what's going on there is wrong but they don't take a stand maybe because they're afraid of taking stand and you know buying the problem maybe they are they don't know what to do and that's why it's so important to teach them what to do 
you know okay if you want to help because when you say help someone that's quite you know vague but if you say help someone by including that person in your group or helping someone by reporting the bullying to a counselor or so we need to when you teach them what to do is more um, we are sure that they can actually take a stand um, and they will know what to do and then we've got the defenders which they dislike the bullying and they help or they try to help the bully student okay and in the middle of all of it we got the student who is bullied so imagine so when, when i think about this this um this circle um of bullying that by dr denovez i realized that and i and i i want to take people to realize that more than just being exposed to the student who is who bully that person who bullies that person the student who is bullied is exposed to a lot of students to a, a much wider group than you think so imagine the the level of you know of harm and humiliation that the person goes through that's why we need to be really effective and once we know that something is going on if you maybe if you're not sure if it's bullying or not we need to take a stand straight away to move that to that person from this uh, place of suffering to a place of um, belonging to a place of uh, welcoming to a place of you know of uh, of care so um, so when you think about this whole group imagine this whole group is inside the classroom right yes doesn't it yeah. make sense yeah because you know, yes and it also shows how important it is that that, that uh, how it's a, a collective effort to, to try to solve it right because when when it sh when you make it not about just the victim and just the bully you're talking with other families and not only the families of those that are involved and how important it is to to solve it's like a puzzle you're talking about a bullying circle you have a puzzle to solve to understand which children are part of each group and how to empower the correct groups and and, and you know how to move the pieces to try to solve this right that's right and and you know um the the, the bully um is someone that i, I always say that and uh, the bully is someone who needs help as well so so in a in a short term we need to make an intervention to stop the, the, the student who's been bullied from suffering, right? But in the long term, we need to understand that we need to help and, and to um, address it properly, um, especially with the ones who bully other students, for them to understand where it's coming from. And that, that is really great because uh, throughout these 10 years that I've been doing it, I've been seeing, I, I've been seeing really many students there, they were actually the bullies and they changed their behavior because they understood that there's where it's coming from they understood the reason that uh, or maybe part of the reason that was moving them towards aggressiveness towards the lack of empathy towards the pleasure of seeing someone suffering so changing that is really significant because you can stop bullying not just from you know helping who suffers but helping the ones who bully others to understand that how hard it is 
Yes. Um, so let's cover that. Like as a parent or maybe as a close relative of both the victim and the aggressor in this bullying situation. So what are some effective strategies for dealing with the issues? What are some what? Sorry. Effect, like some strategies, you know, how, of dealing with these issues. For parents? For parents, for relatives uh, that, you know, uh, and, and, and I've heard that many times uh, from uh, colleagues, from friends, that sometimes it feels that it, it should, it's even worse of being a parent of the bully uh, when compared to the parent of the victim. I'm, I'm sure it's bad, uh, both cases. But, you know, what should we do? Yeah. The first thing, the first thing that I recommend is to make sure that they get as much support as they can at home. You know, it sounds it, it sounds kind of obvious, but sometimes uh, we, uh, because we don't really understand the dimension of the problem, we tend to not really give the students the opportunity to really talk about it and to share about it. And sometimes they are afraid of talking about it because they think that the parents are going to co go to the school and the problem is going to get worse and the, the bullies are going to get punished and because they get, get punished, they're going to get a revenge or something like that. So to make it, to talk to them and to make it safe, to make a safe place for this first conversation is really important. Second point is to get as much information as you can. If you, if you understand that your son or your daughter is going through bullying, um, talk to them in a very welcoming way. Um, sometimes we also, um, we need to be careful not to, to, to take quick conclusions, you know, to take the, you know, because sometimes you say, oh, but I bet you did something as well, right? Because they're, they're pursuing, you know, I don't know if you've heard that before, but you know, some, some, sometimes some parents can say, oh, I bet you did something like that. I know you don't. And, and probably they didn't. So um, making sure, making sure that they are, um, they're welcomed. And then you get the information that you can, as much information as you can. For example, who is the person who is bullying? where it has happened, how many times it has happened, how it happened. It was verbal, it was physical, it was virtual, it was cyberbullying, yeah. So getting that, getting this information. And one question that I love to make to these to this students is how we're gonna solve this problem together. How would, how would you like, what suggestions do you have for us to work together on this. So, because, you know, they feel empowered. It's not just me taking a stand for them, to protect them, but it's me being on the, you know, on the backup to, you know, to help, to walk together and to teach them how we can find solutions together for this. So this is, uh, this is very restorative. You know, because you come, you, it's not just about saying what is wrong is what is right, but it's about giving the children the chance to share their expectations and how they would like to uh, to see this problem being solved. Once that happened, look for the school. You know, look for the school straight away. Bring this information. You know, uh, talk to the counselors or, or to the principal, but bring all the information you can. 
talk to them and make sure that you are going to follow the steps they're going to take. So ask them the steps they're going to take. Okay, so here's the problem. It's happened this, 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 and this. What steps are you guys going to take? Oh, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk to that person. All right, group. When? Um, Tomorrow. Okay, so the day after tomorrow, I'm going to ring you to see how you went and how the problem. So, you know, we're dealing with a problem that is... Uh, that it, the solution takes some kind of some persistence some resilience but you know in your experience you, you've been talking to, to to many schools so in general uh do you feel that the schools are already equipped for dealing with that um because uh we see you know cases coming into the media and especially recently as well that uh, it ends in the media because the parents can't get the school to do anything about it like you know you have the families going there and pressuring and there's no results and the, the case ended in the media and then you see some action going on for the most serious cases of course because you know there's so 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 many others that don't have visibility like that so do you see schools actually getting equipped and prepared and trained for dealing with those situations As, as you mentioned, both families, when you're at home and the schools, they need, they need to do something about it. For the families, if they should uh, sometimes actually have to ask for, for help outside and go to shrinks and things like that. But, you know, schools need, need to go through training to be able to do as well, right? So, um, so yeah, the schools, so, but there are many schools that are investing time, investing in the team, investing on the team and, you know, on training, on training. Uh, For, for example, this international school that I work with in Sao Paulo, uh, we've been working together for three years already. And then we have a um, um, bullying prevention committee. We have a students committee. Uh, we have, uh, you know, so there are many materials and steps that have been taken to change the culture. And talking about this, um, you're, uh, I'm going to say something else that is related to this. Um, We used to say whole school approach for bullying prevention, yeah? So we need a whole school approach. But now UNESCO and the Ministry of Education in France, they brought this new concept, which is new, which is whole education approach. It's quite limited only to the public that, um, that is around the school, you know, uh, that belongs to that school. For like, for example, parents, students, uh, the, the staff. But when you think about the whole education approach, this is a much bigger perspective, the much wider picture of how um, the society and many uh, sectors of society can have influence on education. And that education... That influence can be a positive education or a negative education. So there are protective factors and there, there are risk factors inside the same society. So we need to, so we, we are widening our work towards that. And, and, and relates to that, actually, uh, UNESCO, they mentioned nine points. Can I, can I mention those points? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, they, 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 These are these are connection. These are connected to the 2030 uh, goals. Yeah, to the 2030 um, 2030 agenda. 
So uh, there are nine main components for this whole education approach, and I'd like to emphasize this here for people who are gonna um, who are gonna watch, so they can know. For example, oh, okay, I'm, I'm connected to the point three, so I can do this, or I'm connected to the. So how to to deal with bullying? It's not just about a protocol that you follow to for an intervention, but it's to you know to to anticipate um, to the problem to be to you know to take an action before the problem happens and to change the culture. So uh, the, the the first one from the nine components that UNESCO released recently is the first one is strong political leadership and robust legal and policy framework to address bullying, school violence, and violence against children in general. Okay, this is the first point, which is pretty cool. Second one, training and support for teachers addressing bullying and student-centered and caring classroom management. See, what you're talking about, you know, training schools and stuff. Third one, curriculum, curriculum learning and teaching to promote a caring school climate. So, in, you know, bringing the theme into the curriculum, that is really important. Um, yeah, uh, the, the other one is safe psychological and physical school and classroom environment. Uh, the other one, reporting mechanisms for students affected by bullying together with support and referral services. And that's why we have the care box that we put in a school that students can report bullying incidents in their care box. And we have the app as well. Uh, and in our work, we have an app that through the app, they can send a report to the school, straight to the school, and then like asking for help. So, so you know, that's a good way for them to connect to the school to ask for help. And there are, there are a few ones, the um, uh, involvement of all stakeholders in the school community, including parents. So getting the parents together, you know, bringing the parents' community together to uh, to talk about it and to to be engaged, not just like, oh, my son's going through this, or my, but how can I, what can I do as a parent to help the school to prevent to prevent bullying. Student empowerment and particip participation, which it, which is what we do as well when when we establish a bully prevention student committee, and um, evidence monitoring of school bullying and evaluation of responses. But the one, the last one, means um, having data on bullying. And that's one thing that, you know, that we need to work on in Brazil because, for example, UNESCO in 2019 released, released a report and there are more than 100 countries that reported that they had numbers, consistent numbers to present in the national, in the worldwide, for this worldwide study. And Brazil was one, one of the countries that didn't have this data. So, you know... Yeah. I believe that. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, when I yes. was there, when, when they were releasing it, I was actually there in Dublin when, when they were releasing it, and then I was like, I was feeling so, I was actually, I actually felt embarrassed, because I thought, you know, we need to do that, because there's a problem that yeah. we, you know, that we face in Brazil. And I heard the other day from someone from Russia saying, yeah. I can't believe you guys have bullying there, because you have sunshine all the time. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, these are the points. Unfortunately, that's not the only cause of bullying, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
Listen, I, 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 um, we, we were talking about, you know, uh, and, and, and you did a, a really great coverage regarding, you know, uh, who should be part of the solution and how we should engage and, 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 you know, get connected, get together and the school and the families and the whole environment. Um, but one thing that I'm curious about, and you did mention, for example, that, uh, some parents when talking to their kids, they said, Oh, I bet you did, I, you did something. To, 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 to have this reaction back to you. So what else should we not do? You know, what are we doing wrong? Like, what, what are the things that we end up doing by incidents? And which actions or statements should we avoid doing in those situations that we think we might be helping, but we are actually doing the opposite? Um, first, minimize the problem. You know, sometimes, you know, when when a child falls and hurts his knee or her knee and sometimes you say oh it's just a jump it's just a jump it's just a jump you know everybody do that I, i'm always angry with that you know it was it's nothing, nothing. nothing it's nothing you know you minimizing you kind of you know you kind of minimizing their pain yeah and sometimes we take this habit and and then we uh, carry on doing this towards their, for example, teenage years. And they're going through pain and then you say, oh, it's nothing, it's gonna go. So again, uh, don't ignore or don't minimize what they say, okay? The other thing that I would like to, to, to say is um, try to um, work on their self-esteem not just don't think that this that this is gonna happen naturally you know sometimes we make this mistake that we are oh i say some compliments during the day and i think this is enough we need more than that to you know to build a good self-esteem so work on building a positive self-esteem and as i say a positive self-esteem is a self-esteem that can recognize my qualities and can recognize you know things that are not qualities as well and and but i still deal with that in a positive way okay and the other thing that we should not do is encourage solutions that involve the same acts that they've been exposed to like for example If you are being called by a, for, for, by a specific word, um, I'll go there and call them that as well. Call him that as well, you know, and use this kind of revenge um, strategy to, to, to try to find a solution for the problem. Yeah. And when you do that, you are... Or the force, right? Or the force, yeah. So find, uh, not, don't encourage uh, retaliation. Don't, do not encourage retaliation. That's one of the things that I, I, I say. And um, let me think of something else. Um, and, yeah, and be careful, be, be, pay attention on the, 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 the warning signs. Sometimes we ignore the warning signs. Sometimes you think, oh, just, it's just part, oh, it's just part of the, the teenagers is just like that. And maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe he or she 
uh, is going through a really painful time because of bullying or, or even because of the, the you know the teenage years that you know this this season that they're going through and then we we tend to uh, to presume that the pain we understand what the pain is or we okay so um, so giving attention to the warning signs don't ignore the warning signs if that person if the student well, so wait this is super this is super important uh, what what are like what are some of the warning signs that we should be aware of great great question okay uh, any change on their ordinary behavior for example that's the, that's the, the the first one oh my son used to be really happy and really uh, he used to talk to anyone and he used to be really um, engaging with everyone and then suddenly my son just shuts himself and don't want to talk to anyone anymore right that's something going on there what's going on it, it might be bullying but it might not be but we need to we need to come and see what what's happening you know or um being um uh high, isolated you know or maybe uh he or she are you know showing some kind of sadness or even depressive behavior or maybe there there are some changes on their the pattern of sleeping or their um appetite you know they're not sleep they're not sleeping well or they're not um eating well um they're avoiding go to the school if you talk about going to the school they're like oh, i don't want to go today i don't i'm not feeling so well and they do it quite constantly uh, or maybe they even they even talk they say they start some students um they start talking um they start saying things bad things about themselves you know like they start saying oh if my hair was not like that i wasn't i wouldn't be bullied or if i was tall enough i wouldn't be bullied if i was if i wasn't that tall i i wouldn't you know they take the problem to themselves and that and, and that is the main you know that is the main one of the main problems in bullying is when someone who is bullied believes believes in the lies that the bullies are saying because they're saying lies you know and we need to make sure that our students they're incredible they're smart you know if they don't know how to play football that's all right they're gonna know how to play guitar or if they know how to play guitar they're gonna know something else or they're gonna be good at math but you need to celebrate these differences you know you not just tolerate the differences but celebrate the differences so so this is something that is really um that i think is really important to, to talk about as well yeah and uh you know benjamin answer, yeah. yes yes you did um I, I, you know, when thinking about all of that and, you know, the listeners even might be wondering, you know, why Future Hacker is talking about this subject. So first of all, and if you've been following us for long enough, you know, mental health is something that we always try to cover. And even when we talk about technology and innovation, we always have this human-centered approach, right? Not only just human-centered, even this interspecies approach, like with us, our mental health and how we are dealing with the environment and, and, and nature and ma making this positive impact. 
So uh, when I, I was uh, listening to to Benjamin, uh, his workshop, and I was just thinking about how it fits to talk about the future and human health, and it's the future of our children, it's the future of humanity, right? And how society uh, is getting more complex uh, with all innovations and with all technologies. So I can't imagine myself when I was young having to deal with social media, for instance, because uh, what we had before, which was privacy, we would go home, we had our private lives. It's completely different today with internet, with social media, and with the way that we are exposing ourselves and we do expose ourselves and our children expose themselves. Sometimes they don't have the education enough, they don't have information enough, and they don't understand the consequences of doing that. And I'm pretty sure that this impacts, when we're talking about bullying, the impact of technology, both positively and negatively, right? So I'd love if you could cover that as well, Benjamin, like the role of technology for good and for bad, and how has this been impacting bullying situations and the mental health of, our, of the youth today? Yeah, well, um, you know, I was talking to some parents the other day, and, and they're saying that the parents for this generation, they're facing challenges that parents from the generation, generations before didn't face. You know, and this is really related to technology. Um, I think I love technology. I love the you know the, the possibility of doing what we're doing right now, recording, talking online, and stuff like that. But uh, we really need to learn that technology is something that is not neither good or bad. It is. I'm gonna decide if it is gonna be good or bad for me. I take the decision. And students, they are really, especially, uh, uh, especially teenagers, um, they are really vulnerable to all this, um, to everything that that was built for these platforms and for, for these apps. It actually was really built to get them. And it gets, it gets even us, you know, imagine them, you know. So um, some researchers show, uh, yeah, there are new researchers that show that they, um, teenagers and young people, they use their phones, their mobiles or the their, their smartphones uh, for around seven hours per day. Imagine that, seven hours per day. And it doesn't include homework or things like that. It means that um, once in every six minutes, they access, they open, open the, the, the smartphones and they check Instagram or they check something like that, which, which is addictive. Instagram was built to be addictive. You know, all those, you know, all those social medias were, were built for that. So what I think, and, and we need to talk about um, the culture of technology and we need to talk about digital citizenship. We need to take this and there are some, um, some schools and some corporations in, in, in the world in the world and in Brazil they are really taking a step on about it but talking about digital citizenship I mean how am I gonna do uh, how am I gonna use this amazing tool in a positive way 
what kind of risks you know because it's not just about buying a phone and giving to my son it's about teaching him or teaching her how to use it the risks that you have is monitoring it you know and one of the main um, risk factors for cyberbullying and cyber crimes is that the lack of parenting monitoring parents monitoring and this is according to research from Dr. Hinduja uh, and Samir Patching there are two uh, researchers uh, from from Florida so they research only on cyberbullying so you know so it's not just it's not invading the privacy but it's really making sure they're safe on what they're using there because this because technology is a, is a wide is a huge door wide open for bullying for many wrong things but also for positive things so we need to learn how to use it in a positive way yeah and um, and really yeah and cyberbullying really I think uh, the more I deal with bullying the more I realize that cyberbullying is going to be the new hot topic that we're going to that we have to gonna fight strongly because they are for for this generation they don't have online and offline anymore it's, it's just one line it's just one they're connected they don't split it you know online and offline for them doesn't exist anymore they are all the time online and you know what happens online affects them offline so yeah so prevention on cyberbullying is really important as well for example i'll give you some tips uh learning uh that follower is not a friend that's one tip that i i like you know a follower oh i have i have five thousand followers wow that's amazing but we probably have 15 friends from all these 5,000. So don't, don't consider them your friends just because because then they come in box and then they start, you know, talking something weird with them and then they... So um, this is one thing. The other thing is, uh, is learning to be responsible for your own actions. And I speak that to parents very much. They need to understand that although there's a whole group from the classroom, 25 students talking about someone and bullying someone online, they respond for themselves and they don't have to be part of it. They, they can choose not to be part of it. So learning my personal responsibility uh, online and, and also offline is something that is really important. So there are many things that we need to learn um, there's a really long journey uh, towards digital citizenship, which includes cyberbullying. So cyberbullying is a really little dot on this whole thing called, which is beautiful, called digital citizenship. So. You know, uh, we're almost out of time, uh, Benjamin, and it's been such an interesting conversation. I have two final questions for you. And uh, so the first one, and it's still going to the, the, the topic of, of, you know, future naturally. You mentioned uh, on this workshop that uh, Generation Z and future generations may face this uh, loneliness epidemic. And I, I, it felt so strong to me. So what are the factors contributing to this trend? And what steps can we take to address it and promote greater societal cohesion? Brilliant. I think that uh, one of the main factors uh, is really technology, you know, 
um, there is uh, there's this um, documentary called the age of disconnection something like that a era da desconexão or the age of the disconnection and they are really the main point of on this um, documentary is how technology is influencing the way we relate to each other the the way you hang out with each other the way we you know the way we leave our home to to go to someone else's houses to hang out and to have a cup of tea and things like that um a cup of tea that comes from england <laughs> so um <laughs> yeah so um so technology is a really big aspect of the changes that is um, happening in the way people relate to each other i think that one of the the um strate strategics that we need to use for that is to be intentional on and to build um situations that can bring people together for example they did on this on this um documentary called Ara Desconexão they did this experiment which they had like a party but they could not bring their phones to the party you know and it was just an experiment you know just, okay let's see what happens if people are going to come and people that are living in the same building this is in Europe people that are living in the same building for years they didn't know each other they had never had they never had a chance to talk to each other you know and so when they came to this to this kind of a party um, they start people start really um, connecting talking and laughing and then for 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 a period of time they forgot their phones you know so i think that we we are we we put in, we, we put technology with what I, i'm saying we value technology too much sometimes we need sometimes to put our phones down and to look into you know and to get get some coffee with someone and listen what this person has to say and they it makes it makes us feel good makes us feel connected makes us feel like we belong to a group of people and to you know which um which internet cannot provide i believe strongly about that so um there's um there's an area of psychology called environmental environmental psychology i don't know if you heard about it called environmental psychology which is the psychology related to the environment and and one of the main names is dr robert summer and he says he talks about social petal fugles and social petal places and social fugal places like forza centrifuga and forza centripeta right but instead of forza he, ta he talks about the social aspect of it and it says that there are some places that instead of bringing people together it actually pushes people away for example chairs in an airport how long would you sit in an airport and talk to someone are they comfortable are they built to bring people together 
No, they're there just for you know for you to stay for one hour, two hours, and then that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got what I'm saying, right? So and all, but also there are there are places they are uh, sociopathic, which is places that can bring people together. So I'm going. I'm going somewhere, you know, I'm saying this, I'm going somewhere else now. I'm going to actually like policymakers and things like that. But I'm talking about investing also in places that are going to, you know, promote this kind of encounters in, in the city, inside the city. You know, places that people want, will feel so good there, they, they won't feel like they need their phones. Man, it's so amazing to be here hanging out with these people that I actually don't need my phone right now. So we need to really invest on that. And, you know, he's been talking about it like for 40 years. He was really ahead of us. Uh, this guy, Robert Sermon, he's a genius. And But but yeah, but th there are many strategic st strategies to, to, to deal with that. And also, too, at the end of the day, we need to use, I think a main tool is also education. You know, is also is always actually education. It's always education. It's bring it into the classroom. It's put, it's put a, yeah, is yeah. Bring the bring. You know, we we are sometimes the classroom is all about the the content. Oh, I'm going to talk, talk about math. This and this and this is today. But actually, I have an opportunity to bring people together inside my classroom. I can make a circle. I can make them discuss something that is an issue that's actually facing the school. Oh, we're facing this this school. What do you guys think? Oh, I think this. I think this. And then you give them voice. And then you, you know. So, um, yeah. Is there rehumanization? Uh, I think we need a rehumanization approach. Rehumanization. Yeah, that's a long word. Rehumanization oh, yeah. approach. Rehumanization. I love that. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Benjamin, it's I'm been my best really great okay. talking to you. It's no, it's great, and you know, um, such an important topic. What final advice do you have for people, and what are the best ways for them to get in touch with you? My final advice is that. Um, Everyone can play a role on bullying prevention. It doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter your profession. It doesn't matter, you know, where you work at. It doesn't matter. Everyone plays a role on bullying prevention. So my, my advice is think about where you are right now and think of ways that you can uh, influence the place where you are, influence your culture towards, um, towards this, this humanization you know purpose of uh, the purpose that you're talking about okay and my contacts is that right you asked my contact okay um scholar yeah, sure. how, how can people get in touch with you yeah um scholar saint bullying .com.br yeah and my instagram is benjamin horta h-o-r-t-a Benjamin Horta. So you can contact us perfect, there or on our website. Yes, thank you. Really great, really great. Thank you so much for being with us here today, Benjamin. Really wishing you all the best. Super important topic. I really hope people get, you know, here to this episode, listen to everything and just go after information because as you just heard him, everyone can play a role. So it's not because uh, something that is close to you is not going 
overlaid, but as you saw, you have many roles into that. You have the observers, the defenders, you know, let's, let's get into that. You know, this is something that we can easily solve. You don't need technology for that. You just need, you know, uh, a will and, you know, we can help. We can help. We can improve. Let's let's dig into that, everybody. I hope this inspires people, and I hope it gives hope to the ones that need, and it gives strength to the ones that need. And let's get inspired, and let's go help each other towards a more human-centered future. Thank you so much, Benjamin, for that. Thank you for inviting me, and congratulations for the future hacker work you guys are doing. I saw some some of the episodes, and I think it's amazing how you're gather, gathering so much information um, through 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 your work. It's really amazing, especially the one from um, Jonathan Cohen. Which this is a good example of using technology in a good way. You know how this is this is an awesome example of doing it. So um, so yeah, so congratulations on the work. It's a really honor to be here today. Future Hacker. Life. Path. Future.